Hello, yes, we've returned. Hello, everybody. Yes, UK North has come back, and we've had a bit of a hiatus over Christmas and the New Year. Even more wine than normal being consumed, I believe. But we have returned. We have been playing around with some new audio equipment, so bear with us as we get to grips with it. And uh, we hope you enjoy the shows going forward in the new year. We're back weekly, and this week we're sponsored by Fate Extella, the new PS4 slash PS Vita game starring all your favourite Fate characters. It's an awesome game. You should definitely give it a go. It's available from Rice Digital. Go to UK. Give it a go and let us know how you find it. In the meantime, on with the show. Hello everyone, we're back, um, and this time we're making our inaugural podcast from uh, Casa del James, surrounded as we are by uh, lots of glowing candles, uh, which are ensconced in skulls. It's really atmospheric, it's quite romantic almost. Yeah, you can tell a girl lives here, it's full of candles and skulls. And dolphins. Yes, there is a dolphin, that's a creepy looking thing up there. It is a creepy dolphin. That's uh, Shinku from Rosenbaum. Is it? Well, let's... Yeah. Let's not talk about things people can't see on an audio podcast because uh, <laughs> this could go on a bit. So uh, let's uh, sort of uh, just introduce everybody. Mr. Seb is here. Good evening. And Mr. James is here. Good evening. And I'm here. <laughs> or am I? Hello, everybody. Um, so how was everybody's uh, nerd weeks this week? Uh, very frustrating, dealing with yet more uh, JavaScript, Ajax, and general rotation. I see. And Mr. Seb? I have spent way too much money. Ooh, on what? Do I, tell. So I bought the PlayStation 4 Pro. Only primarily because I was a bit salty about James getting a review code for Matt Zinemaker Future Town. Yeah, well that only came through uh, yesterday night. Um, Still salty. And it's the day that it also came out. Mm, Actually, it's not out yet because I just tried to buy it. It's not on the PlayStation yeah. Network yet. Well, it's out in America then. It is out in America. It's not out in the EU. Okay, so it's been played by Westerners, just not in the UK. I know, I'm still salty. Well, soon your time will come, and so will your PlayStation Pro, presumably. Can I have Gravity Rush 2 if we get a code? I don't know. I hope we I get. don't know who's releasing that one. That's yeah. Sony Direct. So, no. <laughs> Fuck! Because they give away nothing. nothing. Oh, that's not strictly true. I did once win something through their website, asking ah. the creator of Gravity Rush a question. Son of a oh, bitch. I, I take issues with Sony giving things away, only because I got screwed out of the 20th anniversary of PlayStation 4. Oh, that thing. Yeah, so oh, you, your brother happened to get it, but not you. Yeah, on the, uh, the second day, because of all the cheating on the first day, they changed the URL, but only if you set up. I think it was uh, within 20 seconds of the competition going live, they redirected to the real one. So whilst I went to the fake URL, who were actually completing it, Anyway, enough of my disdain. Wow, we're full of salt tonight, really, aren't we? Yeah, pretty very bitter. I'm quite happy, though. I've got lots of nice things. Uh, thanks to Mr. Tony over at MVM, who has sent me some uh, anime, some of which I can't remember the name of, but I did get the um, Tokyo ESP, so I can enjoy that like I enjoyed the manga, uh, which right. will be going up soon, review-wise. Um, what else did I pick up? Some of the latest bits and pieces uh, that they're releasing. Sakura like, Trick? Yeah, that was kind <laughs> of like, it was there, so I'll just get it. And then I read the back of it and went, oh, bloody hell. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, if you've listened to our previous podcast, known I'm clearing out, or have cleared out over the years, anything sort of slightly... Um, Salacious. Yes. Uh, having that suddenly sort of like walk into the house. It's oh, look, a big gap. Now I can fill it with lots of... Uh, More lewd. Yeah, well, yeah with, basically with all this all this lewd on one disc so if you like lewd on one disc it's a good good series to go for 
Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm still waiting for Berserk at the end of this month. It's been pushed back six days, so I'm going to have to wait even longer. Six whole days? I know. I, I don't know what I'm going to do for six days. I'm going to sit there pining in the dark for it. I miss you guts. In your high definition glory. I, I, I don't know what to say to that, Ross. Oh, good words have failed you. So, moving on. Um, <laughs> but I've also got lots of toys this week, because uh, everything seemed to turn up more or less at once. So, um, I got so my... Little Transforming Prime, which is like the masterpiece version, only smaller and more die-casty by some knockoff Chinese company, but it's better than the official one, so very if, pleased with that. If only they would do the Macross Fighters. Yeah, although well, really, I think the uh, High Metal R are pretty much the uh, oh, Chigokins, but smaller. Oh, that's a fair point, actually. I never actually, I never quite pegged it that way. Mm. Actually, yeah, okay, I can see that. Slightly more cartoony, but yeah, they're nice. Um, but also ordered the uh, VF31J, so that's on oh, its way you over. Oh, did it. So, Which colour? Uh, it's the uh, Hayati Imelman uh, version. The blue? Yes. Yes. The, the main one. I did really want to hold out for Mirage's uh, purple, but given how fast the Mesa black one went, which was seconds, if you weren't already I mean, it ordering it before it, it came out, you didn't get one. It did have a kind of like a skull and crossbones motif on the back, though. And that's the only thing I don't really like about it. I don't like sort of um, seeing my mechs getting tattoos on them. So uh, it just, was, just It's awfully cool. Don't need them tramp stamped. It's uh, it's okay. I kind of like the uh, other chaps. I can't. Remember. I never remember his name because anime names are weird. But the <laughs> chap with the uh, red, green, and white motif. Messer. No, Messer was a black chap. Uh, well, black plane. Yeah. And he was a chap that flew it. His guy died. He died. Yes. <laughs> so spoilers. And um, it's yes. obvious he was going to die. He, 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 we called it from episode two. Uh, pineapple salad. Yes, he. Uh, Properly, actually. Yeah, that was a good pineapple salad, actually. Yeah, he, he went down hard. So uh, yes, that was uh, <laughs> that was his fate. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of nice funky things turning up in the office. So it's been a good week for that. So by the way, lots of I did just check, and Future Tone is actually out in the EU. So why was it not on a PlayStation Network? I don't know, but we will come with a proper review for that within the coming days. Basically, so. James is going to write the proper review, and rather than me writing the review when he never mind. Mm. Salty. I've actually been anticipating this uh, coming out ever since I played Project Diva Rex and went, why wow. is this not Future Tone? It's nowhere near as good. <laughs> it really isn't anywhere near as good. It was just shocking. Well, well it was all right, but what what disappointed me was that it was nothing like the arcade version. No, it really. And isn't. I had just been in Japan playing on the arcade version. Went, this is brilliant. Why is the uh, the Western equivalent, which obviously at that point was X, why is it not as good? But with Arthur's sake, actually, it was better on the PS Vita than it was on the PS4. Well, I have to say, it's actually better value by leaps and bounds. I know. And the second I can actually... Just, just on the song count alone. What? Two, the, in the fact, it's 200 songs. Oh, uh, it's just... Jeez, it's, it's obscene how many songs are on that game. So I look forward to our review of something with a lot of obscene songs on it. It does have a lot of interesting songs, actually. Mm. Most of them involving cats. I like the videos, from what I've seen of it so far. I do like yeah, watching the videos. Yeah, the game actually looks and plays brilliantly. Yeah. Mm. So Finally, uh, they've done a proper job of it. So there's your review. <laughs> actually, yeah, that's a fair point. Well, I mean, we, we, we could talk a little bit on the podcast, but let's... Uh leave that until we get into the meat of tonight's topic fair enough well we've also got uh, hopefully review code of Fate Extella on its way Ooh. so that'll yeah. be interesting that's I'm probably going to bag through that one because it's a Vita Bye. game and I've asked for the US version so I can download any DLC for it it's actually Vita and PS4 I know but I kind of will only play it if it's on the Vita because I'm you, never at home have you I, noticed sorry. how James was twitching then as he says damn it we only get one copy well, you've got it <laughs> I've never been massive on the Fate games mm. I loved Melty Blood 
Oh, I love Mel's book. But the fate main series and offshoots just they didn't do anything for me. They are a bit RPG-ish. Hmm, sounds like somebody's won something on eBay. No, that's just my notifications for things that I could buy that I'm not going to buy. I so see. perhaps this is where we say Actually, silence. I'm telling a lie. That's the. Uh... <laughs> you are going to buy it. Well, it's a. Come uh... on, put everybody up. Come on, what, what are you, are you buying? Uh, I'm watching a Hori Real Arcade Pro V4 Hayabusa, and it's on fifty pounds on bids. Uh, finishing in 14 minutes. So. And what's the, and so what we'll be losing you in 14 minutes. And basically anything on the uh, PS4. Um, as I don't have a dedicated PS4 stick, so it would be uh, quite nice to have. And this is how you're going to basically um, win that uh, future tone then, is it? Well, I've already got an arcade stick, but uh, it's a bit of a faff because it's an Xbox 360 one, so I have to run it through a converter to get it to work on the PS4. Isn't it USB? It is. So why do you need to run it for a converter? Because it's... Xbox 360 USB, not PS4 USB. And the difference being? Xbox 360 peripherals are for the Xbox 360, and PS4 peripherals are for the PS4, so you need a converter. And this is why we love being a part of the PC Master Race, where you can plug both oh, yeah. into the same thing. They all do work on the PC. <laughs> which is wonderful. Uh, but yes, I've got a little device called the Cronus Maps, which uh, emulates the authentication protocols of every device and converts them. But I have to run it through a PC in order for it to uh, authenticate correctly on the PS4. Wow, that sounds like a ball like. It is. Well, the other way to do it is to run it through USB hub in emulation mode, but again, that's a faff, and it's just as easy to run it through my PC, which is around the back of my television. And after that discussion, I now need more wine. Thank you, James. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, so lots of lots of funky things, but it's, it's looking like it's going to be a good year. There's lots of uh, exciting things coming up, certainly in January. I say Berserk's coming out soon. I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, there's a few other bits and pieces. Uh, the case of Hannah and Alice, which has turned up on my desk and uh, waiting to go into the pile of things I'll watch eventually. I was going to say, you still need to watch Harmony. I do. She's actually at the flat over in Huddersfield waiting for me to watch it. May watch it tonight. It's uh, surprising. At your second house. Well, second house, yes. Uh, Ross's second house, yes. Yeah. <laughs> my workhouse. <laughs> where I keep all my slaves yeah so there's a, f a few things uh, come through uh, today actually uh, yes well I, I did mention some of those yeah. uh, the other being uh, Sakura Trick no that's we've already mentioned it we've already mentioned the the, um, the the Yuri Lute and the sitting here in a corner uh, staring yeah. at us salaciously you're just thinking about your Hori stick aren't you you just can't get your mind out of your stick yeah pretty much yeah pretty he's much. just thinking of his stick non-stop mm -hmm. I guarantee it's going to shoot over 100 pounds I don't want to pay more than 100 pounds now I need to read the back of this Okay, so while we lose Mr. Seb on the reading the back of this uh, bandwagon, let's get on to uh, the topic for tonight's uh, little discussion. Um, given that we're the three least active members of the website, we thought we were very well qualified to talk about how we go about reviewing things on the website. I, will, cha articles. I will challenge that. I think there are more inactive people on a website than you two. Well, possibly. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, combined, possibly, than James now. Well, let's start <laughs> by, uh, by just thanking the uh, number one contributor. Which is Andy. Yeah, so, okay, sure, sorry, I meant me. <laughs> Since I built yeah, it, but yeah, okay. You mean the, the number one, the, the in terms of workload, yes. <laughs> no, no, well, you know, Andy and Elliot do a fine job chucking stuff on there. Dan reviews things with his usual venomous tongue or keyboard. And has too much free time, as we've discovered, because he manages to somehow to watch everything. How the hell he manages it, I have no idea. Oh, well, it's, uh, you know, nice, nice to be able to do that kind of thing, I guess. I mean, mm. I tend to try and catch things on Crunchyroll when I can and then realise I have time to watch things on Crunchyroll so I've been struggling to watch the last three episodes of God Eater now for the past four months thankfully it's out on Blu-ray soon yes from <laughs> NPM so 
I'm just going to watch it on that now. So sod it. But I did quite enjoy um, everything I'd seen up to that point. The really depressing episode, which is a flashback episode. So God Eater, I kind of like. Um, but no, I haven't really had a lot of chance to watch much that's terribly new. Um, I suppose that's probably why I talk about Macross Delta so much because it's the latest thing uh, that I happen to have seen. So hopefully, uh, with my big pile of new anime, I'll start going through some of that. I'm going to say, to be fair, it's not a bad season, looking forward. I mean, we get the joys of Dragon Maids, which are pretty amazing. Very funny show. Yeah. Sounds good. I like Dragon Maid. Well, I'm looking forward to Little Busters. People are asking about special editions, and I don't know the inside track on that, but I aim to find out, and I've got my torture chair ready, if you're out there, Tony. (laughs) Hello, Tony. That was just creepy. Yes, pretty much. (laughs) Okay. So, back to the topic in hand, quickly... For the third time. <laughs> For the third time, yeah. So, um, reviewing. Um, I suppose when I started the Anime Network many, 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 many moons ago. Many, um, many, 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 <laughs> many, 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 Yes, I just had the idea of just having an anime review website, which everybody sort of laughed at and go, you'll never do it. And, you know, subsequently I did. Uh, but my reviews were always fairly short and usually quite, uh, i just say, flippant. They weren't sort of very dry. They were. They usually had a little bit of personality in them. I think over the years, the Anime Network has gotten a little, a little bit more technical. We actually look at the quality of the subtitles on things now, the audio tracks. Andy, amongst others, uh, have caught numerous post-production flaws on things that have gone out, which has surprised the distributors somewhat. Uh, Panty and Stocking remains a proverbial classic. You remember that one? I don't remember that one. Oh, that that was the one where I think the uh, dub went massively out of sync. Oh no, no, it cut off the end of the last episode. That was it. So you got to the end oh, of the. Oh yeah. And that was a bit of a scandal because well, that was quite fun for me. I enjoyed because I, I saw that one from the sidelines. Did you, you like, recall <laughs> a few years ago when we all gathered at yours to watch Freedom? Oh uh, yes. I believe oh, around yeah. episode six or seven, the uh, audio drifted about five seconds out of sync. Yeah, it looked like a badly dubbed martial arts film. It's yeah. fantastic. Not the finest hour though. Yeah. It was uh, not the greatest. Yeah, so I think that taught us to be a bit more vigilant when we're reviewing things, but it's nice to catch out uh, these things oh, occasionally. And uh, the, the big one uh, recently from uh, Warner Brothers, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. No, oh, yes, you're sure. Isn't that everything uh, I did, did not know you could fit that many episodes on one disc, but, uh, well. If <laughs> you, you can do if it's if black If you're going white. real media uh, levels of uh, quality, which is a bit of a throwback, thank God. Uh, yeah. It's what JoJo's deserved. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> and break. So, uh, yeah. So, I, I think uh, one of the things that, as I started sort of uh, setting the guidelines for reviews uh, that I tried to look at was not everything's going to be aimed at the person reviewing it. So, you kind of have to imagine who the item is aimed at. So, let's say we're looking at Card Captor Sakura, an anime mostly aimed at a sort of young female market, not being young or female, not really for me. You just kind of look at the quality of the animation, the technical aspects of it, and how well you think it serves that particular audience, as opposed to, I didn't like it, it was full of cute stuff, ugh. Well, you can fall into the trap of pigeonholing the fans, though. As I actually watched the Blu-ray remaster of uh, Card Capture Sakura recently with Sophie, and it's actually got some, uh, some good humour in there. Well, <laughs> it's more interesting for its uh, cultural referencing. Yeah, hmm. right, we believe you, honestly. Okay. <laughs> it, has, it has aged remarkably well. Yeah. What it is? Well, it's not one I've ever really watched much of. I know it came over here many years ago because it was on VHS. I think first release. So it's going it back came out some... VHS. We never got a DVD release, so this is probably the first digital release. I think in the yeah, it's all about the laser discs. I know, but mm. it, I think it was uh, one of those series that was only available via Region One import. Having remembered 
the arguments people were having back in 2001, 2002, trying to get a copy of the bloody thing. <laughs> so let's let's go around. Through. How do you then, Mr. Seb, go about it? Sort of, let's say I plonk a thing on your desk. Let's say it's a series to review. What do, what do you look for in a, in a series when you're reviewing it? What's your, what's your method? Well, I tend James. to. I, tend to <laughs> I was just had to say, I tend to have a bit. I tend to have a bit of a formula that I work to, which is pretty obvious by the way I write these days. It's I think there's about three hundred or four, three hundred or four hundred uh, reviews on the website, and it's it, so essentially they're all. I, I try and aim for about five or six paragraphs, always less than a thousand words, unless I'm particularly drunk. And so I used to get quite sloshed while, especially doing the crap shows. So. Because that way, the, certainly the worst reviews are more entertaining to write about. I always find it's actually more difficult to actually write about something I like, because I'm also trying to do it justice. Hmm. But essentially, you always have to cover the basics. So a, a brief introduction, try and at least put. The, no, I always try to put a joke in for some reason, but I'm trying not to do it as much these days. <laughs> <laughs> set the tone, set the characters, review the uh, arts, review the mute, uh, basic review the sound, the dub, because I usually always review the English dub if it's available. Mm -hmm. Probably because that's how I actually watch most series these days. I do tend to glance at the Japanese for a few episodes, but yeah, it's, it's quite interesting the difference there because the first thing I do is uh, make sure it's got the Japanese track and switch straight to it. But mo uh, mo it's still the case that most people don't actually watch it in Japanese. And you can't review a dub if you don't watch the dub. And you can't review the dub if you don't watch it. Although it's you can, you can review it for a couple of episodes. Say, oh my god, this English dub is terrible. Thank you, Sentai well, Film. Ninety-nine percent of them. Are, no, no, no. It sounds like they're all Texans. Oh yeah, that's because every single anime voice dub ah. is done in Texas. I will disagree with you there because there's been a lot of actually much better ones in the last few years. Seriously, I would give it another go. There are some very good ones out there. Well, the I studio, would take The Studio Ghibli dubs <laughs> are usually pretty good. Oh, true, but they don't really count because their dubs are uh, done in uh, conjunction with Disney, I believe. They are. They are. Uh, Lassiter actually did uh, some of the Ghibli films and uh, he's a massive uh, Miyazaki fan. And well, they get on very well, apparently. I, I will give a free pass to Ghibli. Um... Actually, with Arietti, I believe they did not just an English dub, they did a US dub and a British dub. They did. Which, fair play to them. They got, they, they got away from pedants like you. But you still well, haven't watched the dub. It's less that. <laughs> the, the problem I have with, uh, with regionalised dubs is that if you give everyone uh, regional American accents, it suddenly puts you in the uh, cultural perspective of the Americans. Which, if you're watching a series set in Japan or... Uh, with Japanese cultural sensitivities in mind, it doesn't really gel together. But that's the thing that's been finding more recently is actually those cultural biases don't exactly exist very frequently. They do on generally the lower budget dubs, and you know essentially you still get that Tiffany Wench who's who's basically plays only one character and only does one voice in about every series she does. But that's fine. Uh, I, I can't look remember. Forward to the hate mail already. It doesn't matter. Nobody likes her. Uh, I can't say I have any particular. <laughs> I, re I, wrote, I remember that she's the only name that I re re recognise. Alright, okay, then let's put it out there. Best dub for a series that isn't a Ghibli film. Cat Bloody Cuties. Not seen it, can't comment. Uh, not seen any dubs in a while, but uh, I recall the Helsing dub with the priest accepted because they made him uh, Scottish instead of Irish. Oh, was God. actually fairly acceptable. <laughs> Hmm. Actually, I will also say second one is Infinite Stratos, which is absolute goddamn hilarious. Oh, actually, I take it back because I've just remembered the uh, Yatsura yes. British dub. 
done by BBC Three. Yeah, so <laughs> just, just take just take mine from YouTube, me. Look on YouTube; it's beautiful. Yeah, it it's is. Matt Lucas and uh, Lauren Levine. It is very very good. Is it Lauren Levine? Lauren Levine. It should Some sort be. of Lauren was on. Lauren. It. it is what dub should be. Yeah, yeah. Which was just taking the rough sketch of what was going on and adding your own spin on it, and it worked really well for it. It actually made it funny, and that's one of the things I have a problem with with Japanese anime. I don't tend to find it funny. So no. I watch comedy. Generally falls flat. One exception would be Tenshi, and I do like the dub for that. Yes, because it had a very good cast, and they really. Do you mean objectively funny or subjectively funny? So you can see why other people would find it funny, but it doesn't speak to you, or you just think no one on this planet could find this funny. The second one, I I don't know. I I, I do watch certain. I don't I don't know. I I can understand possibly why it might be funny for some people, but I find I find it either a very puerile sense of humour. Um, and it's all, you know, bits of bodies being, you know, oh, look, you've just seen some boobs. And it's just like, well, nosebleeds and that sort of really obvious, almost carry-on humour, which I don't find appealing. I prefer sly humour. You've seen, you've seen so things good. since the 90s, right? I've seen some things. And some I was going to say... I wouldn't that, recommend it. I, 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 I saw something... A bit past that. No, we're not. I saw something last season that still played the tropes. Mm. Seriously, the tropes are still played heavily. Well, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't call these serious comedies... Well, I find um, their use of tropes to be uh, quite comedically good. And I'd say that's something like Prison School, where it's almost to the level of cringe humour. Oh, that's how it's actually. That's I would say very it's very funny in the way that they go about it. And then something like Keijo, which is beautiful. It's so self-referential, but genius in what it does. Oh. I mean, it, it's so offensive that it's not offensive anymore. <laughs> I'd never thought I'd actually get sick of butts by the end of that series. It kind of you got you got sick of the butts. There were so many butts bouncing everywhere. You actually got bored of butts. Stop saying butt. Yeah. But why? So, uh, so yeah. <laughs> um, completely throwing everything. Um, so yeah, in terms of um, what do you look things, for in a review? What do I look for? Well, it's, it's funny. I was reading something recently about reviews and how people. Um, like uh, to have their own opinions affirmed as opposed to looking for critical analysis of something. So a lot of websites, and I've read them, uh, I'm not going to name them, but there's quite a few out there that seem to give everything a more or less positive review or look for the best in everything and don't give it a critical mauling. Uh, so I like people like Mark Commode who will go in and really <laughs> shit on something. Um, we've got Dan for shitting on things. Um, who, you know, if he doesn't like something, we'll certainly let you know that he doesn't like it, uh, regardless of who it was aimed at. Uh, but yeah, I just, I think if I'm looking for something in a review, I look for the facts. Uh, you know, what's the quality of X, Y, and Z? I mean, we all sort of take the Mickey out of me for liking stealth as a film, but I like that as a film because I find it entertaining. I don't well, find it we, critically we don't amazing. Take the Mickey out of you liking stealth in the way that we take the Mickey out of you for liking fruits basket. Yeah, to be fair, you, you deserve everything you get for that one. Lots of people, you know, the more intelligent and sensitive people love Fruits Basket. It's only, I like uh, eating basket full of fruits, but I don't like Fruits Basket. Well, well, that's because you have it, your it's, soul. It's interesting how you uh, mention affirmation, because certainly within video game reviews, uh, given the, uh, the history of <laughs> that over the internet over the past few years, it's almost sacrilege to write a negative review. As a matter of mm. fact, game companies will blacklist people for not giving full 10 out of 10 reviews which is a dangerous precedent to set and also part of the reason why I don't put any stock in scores anymore hmm well it's <laughs> from a website that reviews things with a score um actually oh, I would say that they're uh, the most general of general guides that is to say I look at the text content and then the number at the end I've seen amazingly 
brilliant things get very low scores well, that, and some absolute pile of shit receive uh, high price well that's actually that's actually a very good point that we have on the on the, that we have an ongoing debate on the anime net at the moment so we all actually score things very differently so it all depends on whether you're looking on the positive net side of things or on the negative side yeah. so dan barnett generally below six I rarely I ever score anything below six because you know what the, the reason why I chose something to watch something is because I probably like it. Mm. Well, you see, when I'm reviewing something, I try and take all of the. Um, well, I try, I try to come to my score by looking at what it does well and what it does badly, and then mm. figuring out if one outweighs the other, and that'll say which side of the five it sits on. So I try to sort of almost like take a balance of it. I do think you should read the review rather than just look at the score because the scores are just an arbitrary number thrown onto something to give a general indication of how positive something is. Yes, it is. Um, but yeah, I think there's, um, and things will, going back to my stealth argument, things will have different uh, appeal to different people. So I like stealth in the same way I like uh, The Running Man. Oh, it's a, it. see, and you love yeah, that. because I love it's, a, the it's Running Man. But there's nothing critically good about The Running Man. It's a crap film. It's if an you awful film. It, it's shot on a ridiculously low budget. It's massively hammerly overacted. Yeah. Um, I mean, the fat dude that tries to rape that woman that's played for comedy and then he shorts it, gets shorted out by... Oh, yes, Mr. Know. Opera, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's oh. there's nothing objectively um, sort of... There's no merit to that film at all. It's just a cheesy Arnie film, but people love it. And I like Stealth for the same reason. I think it's got some really good sort of plane sequences in it where they go into fights. I think, the, uh, I think technically it's pretty proficient as a film. Um, I don't think the story's massively strong. It is a bit of a rip-off of Macross Plus. Um, <laughs> it is. It basically is. It's, it's, it's just Eddie as Sharon Apple um, going around and taking out the two... So I, would, I would love to read so, this uh, critical analysis comparing the two. Please write So, so you're saying that the production staff of Running Man watched Macross Plus and went, yeah, let's make that with Arnie. No, Stealth. Is stealth, what stealth, not Running Running Man. Right, okay. Keep up. <laughs> Sorry, now you've just embarrassed yourself. You really have. <laughs> I win. I was just imagining Sharon Apple as Buzzsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, no, I I, I like. Does make more sense, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Especially if I, I mean, get the, uh, the connection. I mean, the talons even look like YF-19s. It's the same forward swept wing design. They're almost identical, apart from the colour. They're a bunch of experimental test pilots in bleeding edge uh, sort of planes. It's the same bloody thing. They've just watched Macross Plus and went, oh, we can do that, but we'll put some, you know, jarhead military guy in charge of it, which they had in bloody Macross Plus anyway. Um, so, yeah, so what you're saying is, Stealth is the Hollywood live action uh, Macross. Yes. That wasn't. Not Running Man. That wasn't released <laughs> by Harmony Gold and had nothing to do with it. So, Harmony Gold, transform. if you're listening to this. You need to sue the makers of stealth. <laughs> Please ah. sue the makers of stealth. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. I want stealth too. I'm it, it was left. It was left open to a sequel. I know. It when which year badly. was it left open in the sequel, Ross? Um, not so long ago. Which decade? Which decade was it left open as a sequel? Ross? At least one of the last two, <laughs> which in terms of the number of decades we've had, is pretty recent. Who was, was actually in that? Oh, it was um, Fox, the Oscar-winning chap. And, uh, yeah. Megan Fox. No, not Megan Fox. <laughs> Megan Fox couldn't even spell Oscar. Never mind, win one. Or Fox. So or Fox. <laughs> um, no, Jamie Fox. Yes. Uh, so it had Jamie Fox in it. The it had good Fox. The good Fox. Uh, I can't remember who the main uh, guy was, but I think Invisible Woman uh, Alba. 
Was it Jessica, Jessica Alba? Was it her? I can't I remember. No idea. No. I can't, I can't look it up because the internet's balked in here, so uh, I can't find who it is. But the I... internet is not balked. <laughs> it's your <laughs> laptop. Well, yeah, my incredibly fine. expensive Surface Pro laptop refuses connect to connect. Yes, please so rob me, people, with all. <laughs> now that you know what I'm using what, again? all the time. Um, hang on, I'm going to look this up now because it's important that people know about um, stealth because it's his love. It's his. It's passion. a great film. You're all wrong. It got 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm telling 13%? You, that's probably still a hell of a lot more than Batman v Superman. <laughs> that's not difficult. Don't doesn't it matter. Is. Where's the cast gone? Here we go, cast. <laughs> Who's it got in it? Jessica Biel. She's good. Who the hell is Jessica Biel? She's the other Jessica. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. And it had, um, who else is in here? It's got, oh, Wentworth Miller was in, oh, the guy from Prison Break was the voice of the uh, evil plane. That's awesome. I didn't know that. There's an evil goddamn plane. That is awesome. Star Stella Cassidy. You've not seen Stealth? It's got an Oscar winner in it. (laughs) I've not seen Stealth. I've actually avoided Stealth. Oh, you should watch it. No. No, no, no. no. I mean, you should watch it. It's one of those experiences. If you want to get into the mindset of Ross... Watch Fruits Basket. Okay. (laughs) Jessica Biel, since you asked, has been in the A-Team remake film, uh, Blade Trinity, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, presumably the remake... The Illusionist, Total Recall, and I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, which is probably so, not one so of one good film. Which one? Stealth. The Illusionist. Okay. But The Illusionist, oh, and is, stealth, just, and stealth, of the Illusionist is just a weak prestige, so I don't, I don't think The Illusionist is No, it was good. They, they were both very good. Um, she's also in Power of the Blue. Um, and, <laughs> okay. uh, if you want to look at what she was in, just go on her IMDb. Yeah, I'm doing that. And uh, it's <laughs> I have many hundreds of listeners. Okay, I have thousands to, of listeners. I have to say, dozens of listeners. It's, it's not an impressive resume. Uh, <laughs> it really isn't. I was she was in next with Nicolas Cage. Anybody who's been in the Nicolas Cage film has got to. Jeez, that's quality. That, that was a terrible. Even for Nick Cage, that was not a good movie. Well, for, for Nick Cage, it was a movie. Do you know what? what you know what makes stealth better? Oh my Nick God, Cage movie. and Tom Cruise <laughs> together in one place. Who? I would watch Tom Cruise and Nick Cage <laughs> should just be in stealth together. Stealth that, 2? Yes. Well, that's what stealth is it with people pairing up? Nick Cage is a Scientologist. Isn't it, is he a Scientologist? I don't know with Nick Cage. No, but no, Tom John Cruise Travolta is. Yeah, John Travolta is, but he's got his own plane. I'm not <gasps> he sure could try! Perhaps John Travolta should be in with Nick Cage. Well, maybe stealth can take out <laughs> John Travolta. They've been together before. I know. It was not very good. <laughs> it was terrible. If I Actually, concerned. no. Everybody loved Face Off. It wasn't not very good. It was just strange in a not necessarily great way. What, you did like Face Off? It's it's not terrible, but it's not good. And it's not so bad that it's good. It's just... At least it's better than The Rock. You see, I haven't seen they, it. They both have many, many more films each that are thoroughly watchable. Hmm. What, Battlefield Earth? No. no. I said many more films, not that specific film, yeah. which is horrid. You've got John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, oh, okay. and, um, oh, it was in another one that was all about, it was a legal drama where he was a solicitor chasing people who were polluting the water. That was very good, although I can't remember the name of it, so it wasn't that good. But he was he did act straight in it, um, rather than sort of like doing some sort of caricature of himself, which he seemed to do in a lot of other films. It's pretty much his, his main typecast role these days, isn't it? He's himself. Yeah, but you can say the same with Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage plays the same guy in every film he's in. Absolutely. As does Sean Connery. He he just plays bigger and louder versions of Nicolas Cage. Or quiet versions. You know, it's all of the dialogues either whispered or screamed. (laughs) (laughs) How how did we dive in? Well, we were talking about subjective uh, opinion on things. And let's say, (laughs) 
any review is only going to be one person's opinion of something. Um, and not unless necessarily they've been paid to write it that way. Yeah, it might not be the right yeah. opinion. But it's, uh, what I look forward to review, to go back to your original question, is more about, I try and understand the person who's reviewing it, because um, people like A.A. Gill I can't bloody stand, so anything he reviews and likes I automatically hate with a burning passion of a thousand suns. Um, but if you get somebody like Mark Commode reviewing something, very happy to sort of take his opinion on board because I respect his opinion. So the I think is, it's, and he's, and he's quite witty. And he's quite witty, and he's very dry. Very, very, very dry. Very I would dry. say it's very easy to write a positive review about something that you like. Hmm. What about when no, you absolutely I, I, hate something and there's nothing good about it? And you just then you just write. have fun. Well, well, no, no, because then you're shitting all over something that someone has. You know, given to you going, I hope you enjoy this. No, but then you, what you do is you either have two options. You either write it and completely slate it, or you write it and slate it in a funny okay. way. So let me, t- let me take that example with something that you hate with a passion. Let's say Warner Brothers come to you with JoJo's and say, we slaved over this, please like it. Oh, no, no, but that's different. That's a very, <laughs> oh, very God. bad mastering. That's nothing to do with the actual series itself. Which is a word. So Jeez. actually, you would be completely ob- um, objective there and quickly say, JoJo's is wonderful, but this release is shit. Oh, that's very true. That's why I bought the Japanese Blu-rays. Oh, my God. They've got, they've got English subs on them. Yeah. So you can watch them. Anybody can watch those and enjoy it. Yeah. Not just uh, you. £40 pounds <laughs> a disc. I did not pay £40 pounds per disc. Forty-five. Ridiculous. Yeah. I bought them second hand at Mandurake. Okay. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah, that's a good. Ah, that, that's sort of a thing I need to buy. Uh, they, they were about seven pounds a volume. That's all right. That's, that's if only Macros Delta was that kind of price. It will uh, be eventually. But yeah, you know, if you get a game that you just absolutely hate through and through. Yeah, there's enough of those. But what about when you have to write a negative review about something you really love? <laughs> well, Why would you have to know. write a negative? I'm just following the, the diametrically opposed argument to what he just said. Oh. Well, you, you, by definition, you'd like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's... You just say, what about when you have to write a review well, about something you really hate? Yeah. So say you're anticipating something coming along and you're really looking forward to it and you get into reviewing it and it's utterly shit. Ah, Valkyrie Chronicles 2. Really, really loved it and the first half of the game is shit. Last half of the game, great, but the problem is I had to get that far first. Liked the story, liked everything it started doing, but it was a grind fest. So it's almost a case of, yes, liked it, but didn't review well. Mm. A bit like playing the Windermirian faction in uh, Macross Delta. Oh, God, I've started doing that one as well. They're terrible. Just, yeah, just, They're just, boring. just do the extras, because the extras are great. Oh, the extras. Are, I'm 12 hours into Macross Delta Scramble since the last podcast. Well, that's not bad. <laughs> Mind How many te- hours are you in, Ross? Um, all the hours. He's, um, he's I, I usually play about an hour a night, just, just when I go to bed, just to sort of uh, rack up some How many nights points. have you had it? Um, since it came out. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of nights. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've had a lot. Are you over 50 hours of gameplay? Oh, easy. Yeah, 100, 100 hours? I don't know. I'd have to check it. It does tell you when you boot it up. It actually does tell you. It's a little bit terrifying. It, it also tells you tells how many you've how... shot down and all this good stuff. Yeah, it's the statistics are quite lovely, even if they are in weirdo language. And I've still only managed to buy about half the upgrades for the available uh, machinery in there. So I it's... have fully upgraded the 171. I like the 171. Really? I do. I actually the, do. The stealth bomber looking thing. Yeah, I know. I quite like it. No, oh, fair enough. No, oh. I've... I, I like the 31J, but I also like the 31A. I think the A is better than the J. The different okay. colours. No, they actually have different weapons loadouts. Completely, oh, different, yes, we- uh, completely yeah. different weapons no, loadouts. No, you are quite right. Do, yeah, do they I'm have the uh, the sound blasters? Alas, no. That's something entirely different. I think you can. If you buy the um, YF-19 get- from uh, Macross 7, you do get the sound blasters. You do get yeah. it. But I have yet to actually buy it and try it out. But yeah. actually, it just drains your health if you get too close to it. It's mm. kind of a vicious little weapon, that. 
Because that's what I like to shoot them from a distance. Yes. Um, but yes, going back to the whole concept of review. So yeah, when, when it comes down to looking at uh, things, you've got to try and be subjective, um, but you've got to have your own opinion of it. And I guess the, 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 the trick is finding the balance to it and just being aware of who your audience is. Because, you know, I don't watch as much anime as I used to. I'm not madly passionate about watching every anime that comes out, but there are people that are. And there's stuff I'm going to watch and think, yeah, that's all right. And people, no, we're, we're talking about the greatest anime I've watched this week. Um, Month, but it, yeah, hour, you know, minute. But yes, it's um, it, it's just difficult to, for me anyway, to find the time. So when I watch an anime, I enjoy it more than I might do if I'd watch lots of other anime. Mm. So I quite enjoyed Bleach when it came out because at that point, I wasn't oversaturated with your One Pieces, your Naruto's, and all your other. And Bleach, let's be honest, because when it came out, it was good. Uh, yeah. his, his first arc, I actually thought was very refreshing. Yeah. It was for a shonen series. Hmm. Yeah, I completely After agree. After which I thought it was utterly diabolically bad. By the and third a rehash arc. of everything that was wrong with Naruto, One Piece, and Dragon Ball. Hmm. It, at least it finished. It did finish, which unlike One Piece, Piece Naruto, Dragon Ball, and Naruto. Naruto. Exactly. They're, they're all going for the longest sort of manga ever title, though, aren't they? It seems to be this thing that, you know, the longest well, running Dragon manga. Dragon Ball, I believe, did finish. Yeah, it's finished a few times. Yeah, they just keep bringing it back. Yeah, One um, Piece hasn't finished. One Piece is not finished. That's one. But surely question. Detective Conan. Cut. Naruto sort of finished, I hear, because I just gave up on it. Yeah, but then they had kids. But ago. then they had kids. Yeah, exactly. And now they're just redoing it again, but with, with the next generation of them, yeah. which I'm not necessarily opposed to. But the kids look like their parents. Well, yeah, that kind of happens it's though. The same <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I don't care. It just, it just brings around more fans, which are all going to be on YouTube in cringe videos. I just, got this, I just got this. Just got this vision in my head of Seb going on a really rough council estate. That can't be your kid. Looks. <laughs> looks, looks just exactly like, like you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's too real. That you know. Uh, uh, Manchester, right? So. <laughs> oh, is this some low blows going here? Oh. Yes, well, don't worry. We know it's all be recorded for prosperity and, you know, to play at my... Well, probably the trial of the person who murders me. Um, Hi, so Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. come in, you are. Yeah. <laughs> God, imagine if this gets played back at your trial. It won't be my trial if I've been murdered, would it? No, no, you might have murdered him. Posthumous trial. Oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. For okay. inciting his own murder. Absolutely, yes. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Move, moving swiftly on... <laughs> Ah, we've hit our catchphrase. We should have a belter ring for that. Phrase of the phrase of the podcast. Um, so well, yeah, I mean, okay. So that's series and things. What about when you're looking at other stuff? Because we don't just review um, memes. We also review books, books, and okay, let's do books then. Manga. So what do you look for in a manga? We all know what I look for in a manga, but I'll reiterate that well, later for those that uh, care. What I look for in a manga is what I bought Sophie for Christmas. The, the first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Insert witty comment here. Oh, yes, I was a uh, monster must Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, okay, but uh, just to sort of take a step back from that, because reviewing the first one or two volumes, if you're reviewing them as a set, is relatively easy, because you can say, buy this, and then continue. But if you're reviewing volume 37 of Shonen Jump series, how do you review that objectively and go, oh, well, this is worth picking up? Ask Dan Rhodes, who's on volume or set 27 of Naruto seriously he gets you get bored if Dan was here I would ask him but he's not here I know I'm but it's more, more the point is actually somehow you find because I, I don't do it, it, all it does is, is it's more of a case of you just have to 
bite the bullet and just keeps being very factual, very dry, and nothing late, nothing more. You see, I, that's all you can do. Well, I think when you've got really long-running manga, you can either do the first few volumes to tell people if you think it's worth picking up and sticking with, uh, and then after the whole series has come out, if you're lucky enough for it to finish, uh, you can do a series overview and say it's got dips. And most most series can have dips and lulls and then really mm. good bits. I mean, Ranma's a classic. That was brilliant for the first like seven or eight volumes, and then it just got repetitive or so daft that I couldn't. I, I just fell out with it, uh, and then that then bloody finished. So that was uh, well, it did, but badly. Well, imagine if you started reviewing Oh My Goddess, you know, back in late uh, mid eighties. Yeah. At least now you would have known it would have been finished, but it would have been twenty six years of hard work. Mm. Mm. Well, you have to remember how long it took for things to come out in the West back then. No, 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 no! It hasn't come out here yet. It's finished in Japan. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I don't think. Not, all. I don't think. We, I th- actually, no, I lie. I think the last volume is out now. All right. So, but, but it hasn't the, been out long. But there are other series where the volumes are few and far between, like Berserk or uh, Alita. Um, oh God, at one Alita. point. Yeah. That, that, uh, but I mean, I always thought that the nine, I think it's nine volumes of that were perfect. I didn't think they needed to add anything. So when they did Last Order, Last Order, like, oh great, more Alita. And I read it, and went, oh shit, shit. more Alita. Yeah. Um, and it's just sort of taking it in a stupid direction. I just mu- much preferred it. It was perfectly self-contained, and that really was enough. Yeah, I agree um, with you there. So, you know, my potted review of Alita. But I think you can only really do um, the first few volumes, certainly of new things that come out, and there's so much manga, and it's getting increasingly expensive. It used to be like five ninety nine for a for your standard volume. We were in uh, Travelling Man, what, a couple yeah, of weeks ago? Yeah, I, I was just thinking about it when you said it. Um, what on earth was that? Uh, there was one for twelve ninety nine, and it was very thin, and it was a four coma manga, so it wasn't like it was going to take you very long to read. No. Yeah, um, that's that, oh, it. was uh, Kinero Mosaic. What? Uh, really? Yes, as a uh, the, the manga version, uh, I, and I won't play punches. One of the worst produced pieces of shit I've ever seen committed to print. Not because the actual content is bad. The paper stock. Uh, it was throwaway, uh, recycled trash. Uh, the binding was terrible, and the price was outrageous. Yep, pretty much. Um, Anyone who was a fan of that, um, I would say, should not buy it out of just well, out of principle more than anything else. Well, with any luck, maybe it's, it's maybe it's available digitally. You don't have to worry about. And the, the thankfully, you know, it is on Comixology apparently now. Is it right? Okay, because I mean. The, Contrasted to that, I picked up uh, Tokyo ASP, which I bought because you know, I flicked through it, and as everyone knows, I'm a graphics whore, and I thought it was one of the nicest, sharpest-looking books I'd seen in quite some time. It's beautifully put together. I mean, you've got embossed covers, and you know, those sort of like spot bits of gloss on it. It's really, really nicely put together. Um, really nice reproduction, strong sort of uh, printing, so you know, no fading or anything like that. It's just beautifully put together, really nicely uh, bound. And that was eleven ninety nine, so complete contrast, and about four times as thick. I mean, really. Oh yeah, 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 that big. Um, you know, put it in a sock. You could beat your granny to death with it, and that's what I look for in a book. Well, I think if you are paying these premium prices, and I would say that twelve, thirteen pounds is definitely premium prices. Uh, Tokyo well, Pop were doing this stuff for uh, buy two get one free uh, back in what the early two thousands for yeah. six quid a volume. Mm. Yeah. Now they're charging double for that. Yeah. But people so, are buying it, and they're buying it in roughly the same volumes that they used well, to. Well, it depends. If you're talking something like, uh, well, go one that I like, the JoJo's release. It's in hardback, many of them are colour pages, and they are double the thickness easily of uh, most volumes of... Uh, and they're Lego. the same price, which is critical. Uh, yeah, and uh, I've been buying them on the uh, two for three from Travelling Man. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
And, and then luck is similar again. Um, you just bought the Monster Girl Encyclopedia. Again, hardbound. Thanks for outing me. <laughs> You're welcome. But more the point is it's hardbound. It's very good paper stock. Well bound as well. Mm. Um, full colour on every single page. 12 quid. Yeah. Well, the thing is, so... you have to have the content or the production quality. Mm. And if you get both, brilliant. Uh, you see, one way I would say does get the content and does get the production quality... But I would say the price is just... It's so unbelievable, is the Gundam Origin. Oh, yeah. God. Uh, what are they charging? Nearly £25 20, 20, yeah. volume. 25 quid a volume, yeah. That's a lot. Which is just unreasonable. And there are now 12, I think, out. I mean, I'm assuming that part of that is down to sheer licensing costs. Well, actually, which I get. No, but I th- 25 quid a volume is outrageous. Uh, isn't it actually due to the import cost? Because remember that most manga these days are even not in, released even in the US. Yet. The US price of that is very very thirty dollars i believe it's about thirty dollars mm. yeah so okay that's so actually what we're getting is the straight u.s import price then. and to be fair the versions that we get are the same quality as the japanese version i mean you, you sort of feel the covers have got almost like a rubbery texture to them i mean they're obviously the hard uh, sort of back books but they do have a really nice feel to them i've got the first one um because i couldn't afford to mortgage my house to buy the second one but the uh the actual paper stock and everything again really really high quality so i don't begrudge it so much and i think the reason it's as expensive as it is is because it's set to an older style it's more of a niche release but they've done it in a premium format and it's the same it's just economies of scale if you release something that is premium to a small audience you pay more for it well Well, if we're playing all these games uh you know we're stating you know these volumes are expensive what is happening now more and more is actually getting omnibuses which are essentially three volumes in one but what this increasingly find is they're only like 20% more expensive. Hmm. So actually, while s- simultaneously the newest Chinese releases will be coming out at ludicrous prices, we are getting better qu- better value releases at much cheaper prices. Yeah, but again, they're second runs, aren't they? They're not they're not new to market, so they are just yeah. sort of uh, capitalising. Because, I mean, Fruits Basket, to uh, pull up my, my pet uh, project, they're releasing that as an omnibus, but I've got all of the original manga, so I just can't be bothered buying it all again to throw out a bunch of perfectly good books. Yeah, it well, depends how much you value your shelf space. If you're on top premium, the one that I've got my hands right now is a limited edition, double hardbound, and comes in a very thick cover box, and that's the Speed Racer manga. And uh, that's the Makagogo version. And that, uh, I think I got on sale at Waterstones for £10. What? £10. And £10? This is an extremely limited print run. I think it was 20 originally. Mm-hmm. So still extraordinarily cheap. And this is probably the standard by which I set everything else. Wow. Because that's something else. T- it's, to be it fair, is, it's a gorgeous piece. It is of amazing. Uh, you got um, full colour um, binding with a uh, dust jacket. Uh, with metallics on it and it's just brilliant through and through and I think you need to put them away before you drool on them anymore James well my my point is that if they can produce something like that and RRP it or at least you know sell it uh, (laughs) I don't know if it's a loss but if they're selling it in Warstones for 20 quid charging 13 quid for uh, you know a very thin paperback is ridiculous well, it depends who actually released it. I'm seeing it says DMP Platinum. I don't know who DMP are, but it could just be that they can afford to produce these sort of box sets uh, at a more competitive price it than smaller publishers. Damn mega printing. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's again it, it, a lot of it can be uh, digital coming. manga publishing. Oh, there you go. A division of Digital Manga Inc. There you go. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah the point is, people have to appreciate that if you're going to release something. You need to give value. 
And if you're not doing that, then what are you doing? Well, let's perhaps we should just say is how well do publishers do in the UK? Certainly with collector's editions. Everything has a collector's edition these days. We know it doesn't cost actually additional just to make a, a product feel a lot, a lot more quality and a lot more premium. Hmm. So why doesn't it happen with everything? I don't know. Well, I guess that would take away the whole point of getting the premium edition, wouldn't it? I think the uh, you, you do your basic edition. I mean, take, for example, um, your standard Blu-ray release. If you have to print a sleeve, that's an extra cost. Uh, if you have to do like a tin version or a steelbook version, that's an extra cost. But if you just buy the standard clamshell and stick a piece of paper in it, which is what most Blu-ray releases are, cheap as chips. Yep. So there is, there is increased cost involved. I mean, it might not be massive. Again, if you're printing loads of them, then the increase is, is marginal. But, but if you the value doing... is, uh, is more of a perceptual thing. So you talk about um, anything from Anime Limited, mm -hmm. and you always get and go, oh, this is brilliant, they've done this and they've done that, and isn't this fantastic? You don't get and go, bloody hell, is that it? No, but you are paying a premium for that product. You are, but you feel like you are getting a premium product. Yeah, but I mean, the same can be said of games when you get the uh, collector's editions of those. I mean, I would say game collector's editions far outstrip well, most of your Blu-ray ones, but they are... To an extent. Yeah, but do you ever see these special collector's editions anywhere in retail? No, because they take up too much shelf space. No, but I would say that the uh, the line between what would be um, value for money is uh, is very different. Because um, take, wanna... take for example something you bought that we both agreed uh, was shit. For uh, what it cost? Are we coming up bravely default? We're talking about bravely default. Of course we are. <laughs> Could uh, be worse. Default should have been amazing. It should have been. Uh, except for they skimped on everything, and you could tell. Mm. The art book was nice, but the figure was terrible. I mean, oh, it wasn't just terrible. It was a bad, bad... It should, I would have preferred if they'd not included it and just made the whole thing smaller. I would have just liked the book. I mean, that's all I take out of it. I mean, the, the, everything else is still in the original package in a, in a cupboard taking up space. Um, but sort of, okay, so moving on from sort of like books and things like that, the last thing that I guess we'll review are things like figures. And again, that, I would that's... say, is massively subjective because figures, going back to my original sort of uh, anime formative years you got uh, cold cast resin kits and that was your anime figure and it, you had to sort of fill in the holes you had to glue it together you had to paint the damn thing now everything's so perfect out of the box I mean the the leaping quality in that area in terms of sort of like your toys and your um, your figures is huge leaps ahead uh, from 20 years ago thank you China well it depends on what you're after out of your figures hmm. and your budget for figures if you only buy the uh, the expensive premium stuff, then you're going to take a more critical look at things. If you only buy these sort of prize figures, or God forbid, bloody Funko Pops, hmm. or if dare I say, Square Enix Play Art Kai. But even then, even if you look at the actual mouldings of these things, so I'll give you a classic example, that uh, Eurostate Sora figure, the lump that I've got, which is beautifully hand-painted or hand-sprayed, whoever did that. And that was a custom job, by it the was, way. Yeah, it was a custom job, but it was beautifully done, and it was from the crappiest-looking prize figure I've seen ever, because it was really shiny plastic, it, you know, no matte colour, so it didn't feel like it had any sort of texture to it. It was just a shiny, cheap-looking thing. And they took that, and just the paint job transformed it. So there was nothing wrong with the, with the sculpt, there was nothing wrong with the detail, the problem was just the production uh, value of it. So even your really cheap crap could look marvellous if it was given a proper paint job. So I would say that the the quality of everything these days is pretty good. So it all comes down then really to how much you like that particular design. I don't think there's, has there been much come out recently where the quality of what's been put out is so bad that you'd think, oh my God, this it is It generally doesn't garbage. make it uh, outside the price figures. Anything that is 
I like a fixed pose. One seventh scale or better. Um, you I'm generally sure there get... have been weird things where you just go, Christ, who the hell's buying that? Yeah, but it tend, tend, tends to be tends to be the uh, one eighth scale. Yeah, or, but, but I wouldn't say thickness. that's necessarily the the production quality is bad. It's just usually it's conceptually bad. Yeah. Mm. Well, this is it. I, I don't think you can really criticise many figures these days for the quality mm. of the the sculpt or the sharpness of the sculpt or you know. But then again, mm. I, I don't pay attention to the cheap stuff. It's really only expensive stuff where they have to do it or they won't sell any of them. But I'm just saying that even cheap or expensive, there's no real difference in the quality of what they're casting now because it's because it's all digital. It doesn't matter well, how you do it. Okay. It's always going to look good. It's I, just I, the I finish. I think if we were to talk about that, you have to talk about the lower end. Hmm. So uh, you're talking about prize figures and things like Amiibos. Oh. Things like that. Hmm. But again, look at, look you at can, Amiibos. You can, they're, they're pretty damn good. The, the paint well, jobs are usually no, they're pretty decent. fine, but actually they're not brilliant. And uh, if you recall, um, with the first wave of them, those Rosalinas, where they had paint all over the fingertips on all of them, and all of them looked bad. And then the Star Wars Black series. Well, that started strong and went very weak. I mean, that that was a good, a first sort of three or four figures in that line because everybody was raving about them. And then for some reason, the the quality just went into garbage. Well, and I, yet... I just remember going to Toys R Us and seeing seeing. Uh, 30 boss-eyed slave princess layers. <laughs> you're, you're, incidentally, also your fantasy. These weren't toys, weird. these were just women in cosplay. No, no, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, but if you uh, take the Marvel Legends figures, which have gone the other way around, they used to be pretty cheap and nasty. And they've now that they've figured out what they're doing with it, and they reuse body molds, uh, body types and things like that. So they have like a... Um, you know, a teenager sort of male and female body type, and then they have the adult ones, and they have the more muscular ones, um, and they just sort of mix and match until they make you know whichever figure you want. So you've got like the Spider-Man figures they're releasing. You've got the teenage boy version, which was the Mar um, yeah Marvel uh, Ultimate uh, design because he, they had him younger there. Then you had the uh, adult Spider-Man, and they've just taken that adult Spider-Man, made about twenty different figures out of it with all different costumes. But the mold is so good that you don't care because it's um, it, it's just it works. Yeah. Uh, so that you know stuff like that, um, where companies have figured out how to reuse stuff uh, to a decent degree. Even the Transformers Titans Return stuff that's coming out, they're reusing transformation sequences if they and then just casting around them. So you do get very different looking uh, product, but it transforms much the same way. It's only recently the latest wave they've announced where they're doing straight up repaints, and now it's starting to look cheap again. And that's a bit of a shame. But okay, but uh, in terms of doing reviews, because I don't know if we've done that many figure reviews recently. I've not recent. I've done quite a few in my time, uh, and it's usually come down to me. It's just the quality of the paint, the quality of the pose, and uh, just the quality of the finish. I mean, things like, for example, if they're wearing, uh, you know, shiny items or things like that, have they taken the time to gloss them? You know, is there any paint slip? Uh, but it, it's again, it's how much you like that series or that character. That's got to play a factor into mm. it, and everyone's going to think differently. And I'm just saying, I don't think it's. I think it's harder now to objectively review an anime figure because there aren't really any bad ones. They're we, just different ones. So realistically, the only difference between a review of a figure is not necessarily whether the figure's good or bad. It's more. It's more is the review or the reviewer mm. good or bad? Mm. Let's I suppose really, can you judge them by? other figures so you can say if you are going to buy this look at this one and see which one you well okay James in this case you have how many sabers um I think you there's a, a fair amount but they're all different versions of it yes mm. but it, more the point of is so if you were going to review 
a Sabre figure, what how, would you potentially look at? If, you, if, if you've just said what you've just said there, is more, which figure would you pick? Would you just compare them to each other? Or would you compare them to other figures? Uh, I suppose um, I would. Yeah, I'd compare them against other figures of that iteration of that character. Uh, so, for example, I'm a huge fan of the Gift series. Yeah. Uh, with their sort of semi-realistic looks. And it's quite nice to take another figure and say, right, well, compared to those particular ones, why would you have this and put it next to it or buy it instead of it? Mm. Uh, because I think you can look at it both ways. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to go with that. Well, I, say, I think they're more like art now. I think they are subjective. They are down to your personal preference. I don't think there's really much. I, I, I think sometimes you'll get poor build quality where things won't stay on. I mean, for example, I, got the, I, I tend to collect more ships than figures now. Uh, mm. So the Nadesco that I picked up, which is a nice, nice cast. It's nice and sharp. Uh, there's not too much paint on it. It's mostly unpainted plastic. Uh, and then you've got these tiny little antennas you have to stick on it, and they're a bit on the fiddly side, and sometimes you sort of fall out. And being as small as they are, they can disappear. And the really ultimate kind of uh, test was the uh, VF2SS Macross 2 Valkyrie I picked uh, up. Yes, yes. Because the cheap one. No, no, it, it was stupidly cheap, wasn't no, it? No, it was, it was stupidly expensive. They're still nearly 200 quid. So you're talking really? DX Jagokin pricing for something that is nowhere near DX Jagokin uh. quality. And that's something actually that's creeping into other lines. Well, I'll get to that. But the this particular thing, for covering some of the screws, it came with little bis, uh, white plastic bobbly bits that you stuck over the screws out of the box. It's just ridiculous little things like that. Um, you had like. Well, is it better or worse for those, though? Oh, worse. You don't want to be fixing your toys out of the box or sort of covering nah. little bits well, up. They should do that in the factory and see, give you a complete product. Because if you remember, uh, when you bought that, I bought the uh, Yamato Bubblegum Crisis Lena. You did? Which, which, which I've had no end of issues with arms falling off. To the point where I've had to actually get glue. <laughs> all the arms. Put them on the little pegs just to give them a bit of friction so they'll stay in. Hmm. Not glued in, but you know. To, to be fair, uh, when you talk about the Yamato figures, uh, not the ones that come with the bikes, but the, the only real sort of action figures of the Bubblegum Crisis series, they are pretty poor in terms of build quality. They do fall to pieces. Even the Nene that I have, uh, her little bits that stick, the little antennas that stick out of her back, yeah. are so badly. And they're not that old either. They're uh, not. They, they don't fix well, it they're, at they're all. At least well. 10 years, at yeah. least. But 10 years ago, they were producing good quality figures. They were, and these weren't great, but I think the. Again, like the um, Valkyrie that I picked up, they were released by a smaller company. The they were almost almost like sort of fan run companies. The thing that gets me now is that you can get these Chinese knockoff companies, maybe one or two people, putting together really fantastic high end stuff and selling it very cheaply. Like Are you that talking brand. about the third party transformers? No, I'm talking about the knockoff stuff, where it's actually the knockoffs are better than the official product because the people making them put that amount of care into them. So when you do go and spend nearly two hundred quid on the only Valkyrie you can get of that particular model. And bits are almost impossible to keep together or it can't perform the poses you want it to pose, which is, you know... Standing uh, up. Yeah, but saying that, I suppose, you look at the um, VF25, or the Wife 25, which I can never always YLV. Um, the Frontier. Yes. Now, the first one of those I had, fine, but it couldn't pose very, very much. And then they did sort of like a remake of them, which were much more poseable, and they sort of fixed all the problems with them. So I guess you can get um, things that need a second, second version, because it, it was the old, well, the update version, I think they called it. And that was a much better product than the first version. It still cost the same when they came out. Mm. Um, so yeah, I guess some companies can 
revise and update things and make them better but well Kurt and Bikir do it all the time mm. so if you can correct me if you wish to <laughs> no you, uh, you didn't particularly butcher that yeah, yeah. Kurt and Bikir don't get me started on Kurt and Bikir anyway but then they did this, um, Hollows from Spice and Wolf they did two revisions so the first revision her face was completely screwed up mm. and it, basically everyone who bought the first revision which sold out immediately um, regretted it mm. Late, um, about six to eight months later, they brought her out again, but with a completely remodeled face. And actually, the model was much better quality, and mm. it was again the same price point. And yet, so, think, it's, so sometimes it's worth waiting if there is obviously. But I think the fact that you can remember each of these figures to the name and to the problem tells you that it's the rarity that they're yeah. not very good. Oh, definitely. Yeah, so, it's really well. It's unlike a certain anime companies, uh, Blu-rays. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think I could count uh, on one hand the amount of figures that I that I now own that I take any particular issue with. And the only reason I keep them is usually because they're the only version of that. Uh, yep. character. there's a fair few of those in my collection. I mean, hopefully, when the high end, um, sorry, the high metal R version of the VF two uh, SS comes out. I may get rid of the larger one that I have. It still looks fine in, in Batroid mode, but when you look at it in any of the other modes, it's a mess. Um, so I suppose, really, if anything, reviews for figures just to weed out the bad ones. But yeah. really, we don't really do actually that many. I think I think we should set a challenge in the next month. I think we should each of us should write one and come back and see what we how we vary between us. The problem with doing figure reviews is that yeah. you can't buy the figures that you're reviewing because by the time <laughs> you get a review sample through, Does it, they're all sold out. Doesn't matter. We still you still have to be objective. Yeah, so people, we have to be objective. I mean, the the VF thirty one that I picked up. I mean, the, I got that from eBay, and I paid maybe thirty quid more than I would have done. Off. Uh, hopefully, I won't get stolen customs on this like we did on that bait prime. But um, that is something where you know you can still get them. It's it's not impossible. You've got yeah. places like Jaffamo that'll do all the um, you know various different. Uh, I live Jaffamo. <laughs> yeah, they are good for finding old figures. I've got the uh, YF-19 Advance, for example, which looks really good, and it's like 340 quid, and that's a really good price for it. Stop it. So, that's what I've just paid for a PS4 Pro. Yeah. <laughs> but when, when, I think when you look at these high-end sort of uh, items, they're art, effectively. They're geeky art, but well, they're still art. The, the, the ones I'm more interested in, actually, now, are the ones that are the absolute premium quality, but are at the mid-price range. So basically, anything from Kasabuki. The yes. Shoujo series should be twice what it is. It, they are beautiful, aren't they? I mean, um, both have a fair yeah. few of them. Uh, they, well, they're about fifty to seventy pounds when they uh, come over here. To mm. be fair, actually, you can get them for as cheap as thirty pounds, depending yeah. on where. But, but they, they are the quality of yeah. uh, the hundred pound equivalents. But yeah. actually, they are the same quality as you know, as, as you've seen. I have the I have a shelf at home, literally, so for to, devoted to the same um, to all the Kota Bikuya figures, all the same scale. And actually, between the 50 to 70 quid Marvel Shoujo figures and actually their Japanese domestic releases, there's no difference in quality. And in the modelling, it's pretty much all of the same level. Yeah. So that's just so shout quality. Uh, I reckon they're just going for uh, the large amount of sales. Mm. Yeah, and, and uh, making their money that way. But that's the thing; they are mass market. You know, they're not limited in any way, shape, or form. They just churn them out, and they're always available. Yeah, which is good because I, I think I used to like limited editions just because of the feeling of, yes, I've got this thing that's limited. But over the years, I think I've really gotten tired of that and just want to actually Aww. own something and mm. own it and enjoy it. And part of enjoying something is being able to say to someone, "Hey, this is great. You should get one," and then being able to able to get one. Hmm. Ross. My little boy's growing up. 
Uh, well, <laughs> don't I'll get into puberty soon? Nightmare. Um, but yeah, it's like I say, it's also it's it's very subjective in terms of figures now because unless you you pick a particularly bad one, there's there's very little now to say that you know this is this is so bad you should avoid it. Um, and usually when things are bad, like the Bubblegum Crisis figures or the VF Two uh, SS. They are the only versions of those things available, so the quality can slip because people still buy them, which is a bit of a shame to, to market them that way, but or, or to even sort of come at the market in that sort of uh, you know slipshod manner. But some people will do that, mm. um, and I'm sure I think once you get into Western toys, it changes because you can get so many different turtles figures where you can say, oh, this is a good sculpt, this is a bad sculpt, and all the rest of it, and you get more variety of the same thing. So it's you are giving people who have lots of choice. A sort of a narrow review of these are the good ones or these are the ones that you should look for but when it comes to anime figures you don't have so much of that so really it's just is it good yeah it's great here's some pictures of it's it great. see what you think and you'll either like it or you won't so i think this is probably one of the reasons we don't do so many uh, figure reviews ironically enough there's tons of them on youtube and i think now people have moved away from written reviews with pictures and gone on to the sort of yes i want to see you know entertaining people review things with a bit of personality so you get people like vangelis or um other people, <laughs> no, doubt, so what, no well, doubt I quite enjoy, which again is two blokes in a basement talking about toys, but they're entertaining enough to watch, and I don't just watch it for the figure reviews, I watch it for the people that are reviewing the figures. I just, I, I think I've been permanently scarred by watching that man in the in, a, in the reptile furry mask. Oh that, Christ, yeah that was weird. The, it was the most yeah, he was reviewing the uh, Mia from Monster Monster Mode figure. Yeah, and it was just disturbing. It was up there with the most disturbing review uh, I've ever well, seen. I think you'll find he's typical of your ilk. Oh, yeah. I wasn't it with, expecting it more than anything else. He was doing it in growls. Okay. It was a little bit weird. Typical of your ilk. So, uh, but yeah, I think when you... When you this is why uh, well-written reviews are so hard to find. And there's a guy, um, uh, Kuma Style uh, Designs, who does a lot of really nice product photography can also write really good reviews, so I enjoy reading his reviews. I don't always want to watch a YouTube uh, video, sometimes I just want to read something. That's one of the reasons I like to keep writing reviews as opposed to doing sort of new media content, and I know we're looking at doing more of that, but um, yeah, I think there's something, there's some skill to a written review, and whether you follow a formula or you're just generally an entertaining person to sort of read. Uh, I mean, Clarkson, whether you like him or not, is a very good writer because he'll start talking about one subject that seems totally unrelated to the topic, but he'll bring it into it, and yeah, you know the way he goes, the way he goes around it. And if you read the Clarkson car review, it'll probably start off talking about something like the, you know, the dustbin collections on a Wednesday morning, and then you'll be talking about Maserati. But it'll link, and there'll be some sort of thing there, and yeah. that's that's the skill of a good writer that you can take something totally unrelated and then make it metaphor. Yeah. Well, not not even that, <laughs> but just taking one aspect of something mundane and then linking it into something extraordinary. And I think that's a really good talent to to have. Whether you like him as a person or not is different. I find him quite entertaining to watch. I don't know the guy, uh, but I do think he's an excellent writer. So it's just it's just that kind of form. Um, but yeah, so I think that sort of covers my sort of take on reviews. Has anybody got any sort of last minute pearls of wisdom they want to throw into the podcast? For the, I think uh, we really need to start drinking two bottles of red wine. That's my pearl of wisdom. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Let's so start reviewing the wine. As we're drinking it. <laughs> to be fair, we didn't actually review this bottle of wine. So well, how that, was we, it? We can, still, we can still, we can still rectify that. It, it was uh, <laughs> what is it? It's uh, Kuliburra Reserve, and you know you're in for a good time. So I've got a gecko on the label, and this is a Shiraz, but it is Australian sort of New World. Uh, so. And what, what did you make of it? Um, I thought it was quite. Um, let's see, it was it was quite a dry wine. It was uh, quite a. Uh, I thought it was pretty robust. I liked it. Uh, I thought it had very grapey notes. 
I thought it was a little bit fruity myself. So would you say it had like ripe berry fruity flavours? To be fair, that is exactly pretty much what we've kind of just said. Yeah, I was just being sarcastic. Yeah, I know you were. But I thought it had subtle black pepper spice and soft oak characters in it. Yes. Really? Uh, and I thought that it uh, also had, uh, please drink responsibly, government guidelines recommend adults to not exceed 1.7 units. Bloody yeah. hell, I think we blasted past that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what happens when you drink it with a straw. Um, <laughs> I'm it, Sophie. <laughs> Okay, so uh, yes, well, we'll uh, we'll draw a, draw it to a close there. I think I think we sort of uh, revealed how the the inner workings of the anime network. I don't meeting. think we've even touched on that. Let's be honest, we've kind of just drifted, as we usually do for about an hour or so. Yeah, well, you know, I I learned a lot. <laughs> Fair enough, that's good. But there we go. That's uh, today's aim. Ross learned something new. There you go. So if if, if anybody else learned something out there or didn't learn anything, you're wiser than me. I think if anything, what they've learned is the who actually stars in the film Stealth. Yes, I think that we is. Learned a lot We've yeah. learned a lot about Stealth tonight. There you go. Jessica Biel, yo. She's got a terrible filmography of terrible films except Stealth, which is stellar and terrible. She was, not, she was in next. She was. She was in next. <laughs> and and on, on, that <laughs> on that bombshell. Um, and on that bombshell. Skip to the end. Yeah, that Nicholas Cage is, and we should say goodbye. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, bye.